0: Hey everyone, welcome to
1: Holistic Sex Ed Radio. I'm your host, Robin LaCrosse, and today we are gonna be talking about forming healthy relationships. And I'm really excited to have Dr. Nancy Lee on the show today. She is a clinical psychologist who is in private practice in Beverly Hills, and she's the author of Don't Sleep With Him Yet, A Badass Guide to Dating in 10 Empowered Steps, a Vitals Patient Choice Award recipient, Dr. Lee applies a unique blend of clinical and scholarly expertise to interpersonal relationships. In addition to her one on one clinical work with adolescents and young adults, Dr. Lee frequently leads student discussion forums and panels covering a broad scope of psychosocial topics such as hookup culture, dating, violence, and high risk drinking, among others, at local colleges and universities, including UCLA. Notably, years before Me Too, Dr. Lee helped craft and implement campus sexual assault prevention education and intervention practices at Claremont McKenna College. Dr. Lee wishes to empower both young women and men to make good decisions where they respect both themselves and others, forming healthy relationships, whether it is with friends, family members, or romantic relationships. Hey, Dr. Nancy. I am so excited to have you on the show today. I'm a real admirer of your work, and it looks like you are doing such great things in the world. So, welcome.
2: Thank you so much, Robin. I have been so looking forward to this interview. I
1: was checking out your book, and don't sleep with him yet. Like, such great advice. You know, like... I don't know how many times going up, you know, growing up, there is a lot of pressure to sleep with, you know, whoever I was dating or, you know, at the time and this kind of thing. And I think there's a lot of pressure. And, you know, today I really just wanted to kind of focus on like, how do we form healthy relationships? And so let's just start out with, um, you know, like, why did you decide to write this book?
2: Excellent question. So I'm a clinical psychologist in private practice, and I was seeing so many women coming in and talking about how they met this guy, and they were really excited. Um, They'd maybe gone out on a date or two. They were having pressure to, I'll just go for it, to sleep with the guy. The guy was putting on pressure. They really weren't ready yet, but they felt they'd so-called lose the guy if they didn't, The irony was they slept with their date or dates before they were really ready. And then again, the irony was that the guy would walk within a few weeks or months of sleeping together regardless, which made things even more painful. At the same time as this was going on, I was participating professionally on college panels. Um, So young women, again, college students, college women, would inevitably approach me after the panel and tell me stories about how they felt such a pressure to hook up. Um, one, I remember like one young woman, this was almost heartbreaking. She was like, I don't want to go to parties or just do anything because, and I have no social life because if I go, if I, if I go to anything, I'm, I'm going to have to like hook up with these guys. So I'm hearing all this and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like women are just submitting to whatever men want. You know, here we're, we're this far along in terms of like women's rights and, you know, what we want. And yet it was the, that whole culture seems so antiquated to me. So basically, I, I just started writing the book. I felt like I need to give women a voice. Um, I included, story, you know, patient stories, um, re- you know, research about, about attachment and mating and really everything in there. Um, because as I started writing the book, my own, my own education became more and more. Um, another thing, Robin, that I found very fortuitous just in terms of timing is about when I was finishing up the book, the whole, the whole Me Too movement you know, became, really took, really took off, um, and time's up, so it mirrored what, it it really mirrored my message in the book, there's a, there's a theme running through the book about stand up for yourself, go for what you want, don't be afraid to, to, don't be afraid to be heard, it's like, again, it's all about giving women a voice, so even though, in the book, that's in relation to consensual sex, it mirrored what was having a what was, I mean, what was going up on with the Time's Up movement? Because women were being emboldened, emboldened to speak up about what they want, what they don't want, what's, what's okay, what's not okay. And I was basically saying exactly the same thing in my book, but with respect to consensual relationships. So the timing of that um, couldn't have been better.
1: Yeah, no kidding, huh? let's talk a little bit about like what are like the foundate what's what is the foundation for a good healthy relationship
2: so the first thing that comes to mind is empathy and psychologically empathy is defined as the ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and really really understand what they're experiencing so if whether whether this involves a romantic relationship or a parent-child relationship or even a, a supervisor employee relationship, think about it. If you feel understood, okay, if you feel that you're being understood, or you're you're being your your feelings are being respected. That leads, to, that, set, that leads to, and it sets a foundation for a really healthy relationship. Um, one of the things that was most impactful about me when I was in my clinical training, uh, and I was uh, learning about working with adolescents, so one of my own professors, I'll, I'll never forget this, but um, he had mentioned teenagers really want to be understood. That doesn't mean that they are understood, and again, this could be whether you're a clinician or their parent, but they want to be understood. So something that is so powerful is, you know, you'll be, okay, let's say you're a parent, and you're going back and forth with your daughter, okay? And she's, mom, you don't get it. You, you just don't get it, right? One of the things that's so powerful to, to, for this adolescent to hear is, you're right, I I don't get it but help me get it help me understand again just try that and and I'm 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 speaking to your listeners but you try that with your kids instead of like pretending to know everything or understand what they're going through they look at you like it's almost like what did i just hear that my parent my mom my dad they want to understand and it really sets not only does it not only does it make your kid feel like really respected and it but it feels like okay they they want they really want to understand and it opens up a whole line of communication this doesn't necessarily happen overnight but it really it, it you'll see it's such a pivotal moment
1: yeah you're right and it's easy for us to be like, oh, well, you know, we had an experience that was similar and blah, 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 blah. Whereas, you know, I think stopping and saying, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, things are different, you know, from for you now than when I was a kid. And, you know, I may not fully understand what you're going through. And if you can help me understand, you know, and you're right, that does open up a whole line of communication, because that's not a yes or no answer. (laughs) (laughs)
2: exactly exactly and it also gets away from judgment Mm -hmm. you know often like teens are such a self-conscious age it's all about it's in our it's in our brains like i'm a teenager no but it's it's in their brains it's in our as humans during that phase of development everything is magnified so you know the classic thing is when a kid has you know 15 year olds has a pimple and we can hardly see it, but to them that pimple takes on this enormous magnitude. So think about that in terms of just their inner life, you know, what what they what you know how they feel their peers are judging themselves, them or how they're doing in school. Like everything takes on this enormous self-conscious magnitude. So I think that's something also that's really helpful for parents to be aware of.
1: Mm -hmm. And you mentioned earlier, too, about like the importance of standing up for yourself. And, you know, I'd love to talk a little bit more about that, because I think that is important, you know, like, how do we recognize, you know, when somebody's, you know, not respecting us and deciding when is the appropriate time to, you know, stand up and say, hey, that's not okay, and things like that. And so, can you can you speak a little bit about that?
2: I love the question. Because it it brings up so much. It raises issues of anything from bullying to just an offhand remark where somebody makes, and this could look, honestly, this could apply to an adolescent or an adult. But say there's a situation where somebody makes a joke at your expense, okay? And it's really not funny. It's offensive. And you feel something that's the time immediately to say, you know what, that joke is not okay. And then what you may get back, what's a very common response from the person who made the joke at your expense often, and this is, gets into emotional manipulation, which is, which is a whole other topic. Maybe you'll invite me back and we'll just have a session about that. But typically the person who made the remark says something like, oh, you're so sensitive. Don't be so sensitive. Or, "You can't. oh gosh, you can't take a joke. Standing up for yourself would be, no, I'm not sensitive. That joke was offensive, rather than silence. So it's also understanding. And this is where I think my book is actually really helpful, and I've gotten some great feedback in this regard. But where it helps women to really understand where they're being not necessarily bullied, but let's just say manipulated. Whether it's about whether it's in regard to sex or just being disrespected, just being disrespected overall. Actually, men who have read the book find this really helpful too. So it's actually, even though the book is for women, there's lots of applied psychology in there that relates to men too. Does that help answer your question?
1: Yeah, it does. And, you know, I think it's really, it's really fascinating, you know, and I maybe should have you back on the show for a conversation around emotional manipulation, because I know everybody does it, you know, parents do it to their kids, you know, it happens, you know, and, you know, at what point does it become, like, poisonous? Toxic. Yeah. What did you
2: say? Sorry, what did you I say? I said poisonous.
1: I called it poisonous. And I
2: said toxic. We yeah. said that exact, uh-huh. That's interesting. We said it mm-hmm. at exactly the same time. You also, in your other question, you also raised a really important issue. You said, when when do you stand up for yourself? My blanket answer would be always, but really getting into the science of it, we we have instincts and intuition. When we're like, what? What it? he just say? Or what did she just say? We need to learn to trust that. Mm -hmm. Something that I found fascinating in my own like research for this book was that women, okay, men do trust their instincts. They just, that's the way their brain is wired. If if they feel that something isn't okay, or they're, you know, on a first date and like, no, this is not for me. This person is not for me. They listen to themselves women don't Mm -hmm. we second guess we question we don't trust our instincts so if you have that immediate gut reaction that was not okay listen to that don't be like well maybe it was okay or maybe she really did he or she didn't maybe they really didn't mean that or stop second guessing yourself so much ladies girls trust your instincts
1: yeah i find it really interesting and um Actually, let's take a quick commercial break. But I, yeah, my little thought here is kind of like, hmm, should I say this out loud? <laughs> so so yeah, it's let's a break. Uh, yeah, let's uh take a quick quick commercial break and uh we'll come back and I will say it out loud. All right, we'll be right back. Pleasure is an uncomfortable topic. Would you be surprised to know that most women have never taken the time to fully explore their bodies in intimate or erotic ways? That's why I'm hosting a powerful and long overdue web class on understanding female pleasure. Go to holisticsexedradio.com and click on the web class link at the top of the page for more information and to register for understanding female pleasure today.
0: Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse.
1: Hey, everyone. We're back. So, Nancy, what, what my thought that came to mind is, are women just so desperate that we are willing to take any... Tom, Dick, or Harry that comes along, even if they're disrespecting us and our, instu- and our intuition is going like, hey, this guy is like not somebody we want to be with?
2: <laughs> First of all, I do have a problem with the word desperate because it's a very, again, no, no offense meant, but it's a very judgy word.
1: It is. So,
2: and by the way, women will often self, self-deprecate and use oh, I'm so desperate. I can't believe I'm this desperate. I don't feel that it, like, that stance about, like, okay, I'm just going to, like, you know, I'm, j- I'm just going to, like, lower my standards and just take whatever abuse. Of course, I'm exaggerating. I don't think that it comes from a place of, quote, unquote, desperation. But I do believe that women devalue themselves, and they don't really... Are, especially young women are not like without the life experience to be like, I am a precious person. I want to be respected. I want to go for what I want. And that doesn't mean like, you know, you're going for quote unquote Prince Charming. I'm talking about in the romantic realm or something. But it does mean listen to yourself and feel worthy, feel confident, feel worthy. Now, we're, who feels confident at 14 and who feels confident at 24? I mean, I don't want to give my age. I don't, even have, I don't even feel confident a lot of the time. But we have to work on that. So I don't think it's a matter of like, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm just, I'm so needy. Let's say, let's substitute the word needy. I'm so needy of a relationship that I'm just going to say yes to things I know in my gut are not right. It's, it's more about I'm okay with myself and I have my own value. It, Robin, it also brings up another point about looking to, especially in the romantic realm, looking to a partner to enhance one's life, not to find one's life.
1: Yeah, looking outside it, of yourself. Yeah, I, you know, there's a whole conversation around that piece too. <laughs>
2: yeah yeah like Mm -hmm. it's it's like yeah knowing yourself and being fine i i i like i like the phrase on your own making your especially for young women making you know you're oh my god you're just starting your life there's so much yes romance is a part of that but there's so much else okay um look as a psychologist i i you know People come to me with issues and problems, and I see lots of couples um, in both good and bad relationships. But that said, a bad relationship, a bad partner can make one's life. I'm not going to say it profoundly on the air, but it really can make one's life, Mm H-E-L-L. So basically, go for something that makes your life better, makes your life more fun, and enhances your life. And that, if you if you if you set out in life doing that, you're not going to have any trouble pushing away the things that just don't feel right for some reason, or you need to convince yourself this is going to work when you know in your heart it doesn't or it won't.
1: Yeah, there's so much there's so much in that, you know, that phrase on your own, and I think. Th- I think it's really important especially for young people to spend time discovering themselves. I feel like childhood is like the perfect opportunity to explore lots of things because you know your job is to go to school and learn about the world and there's so many opportunities to like do different things and and you're right, you know, like when we do come into partnership, you know, I think having a sense of who you are and, you know, as yourself and being comfortable with that and not looking for someone to complete you, you know, like this whole BS thing of, you know, looking for your better half or somebody to complete you kind of thing. It's like, no, it's like, you need to be whole within yourself. And, you know, because it's like, what is that codependency? I don't know. These are... (laughs) (laughs)
2: It, it, Mm -hmm. it, It really does get into being okay with yourself. And then when somebody is looking for a relationship and this may not even be at like, or, you know, at 17 or it, maybe it won't be at 17, maybe it will be at 27. But when you're looking for a relationship, like then knowing like, okay, this is what I want in a partner and this is what I want for my life now on the other end of it so if we get into hookup culture okay you also see a lot of well the imperial you I'm i i'm saying in in therapy i see a lot of young women coming in and they're it's it's almost the reverse they're trying to convince themselves okay so they're hooking up you know exploring their sexuality sexuality which is another area of exploration and and they're saying you know they come into therapy one day and they'll be like you know i hooked up with this guy like he's just really cute and like i don't care about it like we were at this party i met this super cute guy and it's just a hookup and then the following week they come into my office in tears and they can't stop checking their phone though like, he didn't text me like i can't believe this he didn't even text me he won't like he won't look at me and like you know, he won't look at me in class. I'm like, okay, so this is a whole other topic about, expl- like, showing, like, like, young women there's a whole thing about, like, I don't care. I want to be just like a guy. Well, no, our brains don't work like that. So it's kind of like don't giving, giving young women especially the permission, like, don't pretend not to care when you do. So that gets into a whole thing about, okay, yeah, like if you're gonna hook up, if I hook up, I, you know, I can be talking about kissing a guy, okay? So there's a whole you know, definition that ranges from any, any sexual act, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But it's all about self-respect. If you're gonna hook up, make sure, like, if you, if you do want you know, to at least be texting with the guy and, and communicating with him afterwards, Make sure that that's the guy you you hook up. That that's the guy you kiss, not some random guy at a party who you never hear from again. Mm -hmm. So there's that whole. That's a whole other conversation that I think is like very helpful for girls, especially in high school, to start just talking about.
1: Yeah, it's really I think about framing expectations because. You know, it's like they're going into this hookup situation and then expecting, perhaps, maybe, I don't know, to get a boyfriend or something out of it, you know, which maybe not quite that far, but, you know, it's like, and as you're talking about, you know, it's like this is a way of exploring sexuality. And I was like, well, I guess that is a way to explore sexuality, but really when I think about exploring sexuality, I think about being in partnership with somebody and getting to know someone and really going deep into these things. And so I can't help but think, you know, like maybe – as parents, you know, we can start framing these conversations, um, you know, with our kids. And I know sex, of course, is a challenging topic to for parents to discuss, but, you know, it really has to do with relationships and how we're interacting with people. And long before we get into the, the conversation with, you know, boyfriends and girlfriends, there's the conversation about friends and this kind of stuff. So, I think You know, there's there's a there's a a safe middle ground that parents can start in before they go into the waters that they feel a little (laughs) less sure of.
2: Absolutely. And look, studies even show that, again, teenagers who start having these conversations with their parents feel better about themselves. And that's, so that's just that kind of empowerment to be like, I'm okay and what I want or or unapologetically refusing what I don't want, especially for girls or even for some guys who are like pushed into like having hookups because all their, you know, guy pals or buddies on the team are doing it are not, are just, that's, that's not what they themselves want. And they feel like having these conversations really early on with their parents seems to empower them to be able to really, like, stand up. Again, there's that term, but stand up for themselves. Another, just thinking about statistics, another, you know, almost all research studies, now this is an oversimplification, but it holds, it's, 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 it, it refers to a point that you made a, a couple moments ago, Robin, But for hookups. Girls typically say that they hope to get a boyfriend out of the hookup, and for guys, they they, they want as many sex just sex they want sexual experiences. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an interesting survey statistic that breaks down. That doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of exceptions to both of those things, but it's a it's a, it's an interesting fact for parents to be aware of. Something else, just from my own research, I never realized that. Men have more, up until the age of 40s, when it starts bleeding, But men have over 20 times more testosterone than women. So it leads men, and again, this is this is research based. It leads young men, especially, to think about sex almost all the time. Like there are surveys that showed, like that, you know, they're asking. Um, Men from late teens on up through, I think this one went into mid-30s, like what do you think about during the day? And something like every 10 minutes, men were thinking about sex. I challenge you to find any woman that's thinking about sex like every 10 minutes. We think about sex, but not like that. So even just being armed with that kind of knowledge, it really helps understand like how our brains process sex and attachment and if you will intercourse differently to be able to make the best decisions for ourselves no matter what age we are mm-hmm. so
1: actually i think we need to take a commercial break okay. so let's uh let's uh do that real quick and we'll okay. come back and talk some more here's my
2: All water right. bottle
1: would you be surprised to know that most women have never taken the time to fully explore their bodies in intimate or erotic ways? That's why I'm hosting a powerful and long overdue web class on understanding female pleasure. Go to holisticsexedradio.com and click on the web class link at the top of the page for more information and to register for understanding
3: female pleasure today.
0: You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse.
1: Hey,
0: everyone. We're back. So, Dr. Nancy,
1: let's talk a little bit about the hookup culture because there is a lot of pressure on kids to, you know, hook up with each other. And, and you know, boys go into these types of situations with the expectation, um, you know, that, and then there you add alcohol and then, you know, I mean, there's just like the whole, there's just like all kinds of opportunity for unintentional and bad things to happen. So let's talk about like boys and expectations around sex and, you know, what happens when we add alcohol to all that stuff too. mix.
2: you asked me that Robin because it's a it's a topic that I delve into in my book and again it's so important and timely right now so I think it's so important I've been talking a lot about daughters and girls but it's also so important to have these conversations with our sons and it can start with like okay so one important line of conversation is that In hookup culture, casual, consensual sex is fully acceptable. But that doesn't give guys the right to push their their friend, their buddy, their partner, their lab partner, their classmate for sex that she doesn't want. And remember, sometimes young men in particular don't get, that idea so they think like okay just because hookup coaches hookups are fine and they're happening like say at my college or in my school in my even high school what their fallacious logic is like I said just because these hookups are happening that I can push anyone to hook up and if she refuses that's not okay and I just keep pushing no that's not correct so it's really important to talk to our sons, say about, you know what, girls, don't don't push a girl for something she doesn't want. If she says no, respect that. That's no. And the it it seems like common sense, but enough of these conversations aren't happening.
1: Yeah, and On that note too, I know that there's situations where, you know, like girl, a girl might say no and that kind of thing. And maybe a boy is persistent kind of thing. And, you know, there's like that expectation and, you know, I'm a child of the 80s. You know, I grew up watching movies in the 80s and there was a lot of like the revenge of the nerds and, you know, like a lot of, you know, add alcohol. And then you just, you know, keep badgering someone until they accept, you know, until they relent kind of thing. And I know that there's a lot of that that happens in you know these types of situations too where you know somebody might say no but yet there's still pressure to go through it with it or change their mind or that sort of thing and so um can you talk a little bit about that too
2: i go thank you robin i go into this in my book as well i add like when drinking especially or any any type of drugs but but drinking is so like rampant Mm -hmm. um, on college campuses. And even in, again, even in some, like some high school demographics. So again, there's the education for both girls and boys, men and women about like, about what alcohol can do. It, it, it lowers people's resistance. So it basically makes them relent a lot sooner. Mm -hmm. So especially when I say relent, meaning, I don't want to do this, but I'm not really thinking straight. There, it, it takes away from that clarity. Mm-hmm. And even from guys who may, be, who may be also like drunk and pushing for sex, it's taking away from their clarity and judgment as in, this isn't right. Don't do this. Right. So it really, adding alcohol really makes things even more toxic. I, and and again, even without alcohol, the you know, there are guys, for example, that are tone deaf. They don't, you know, at one point they don't even like see, you know, see or, or quote unquote hear the cues of like, she doesn't want this and they keep pushing and pushing. So again, for, for women, just knowing that no matter how much somebody pushes, it's, okay to say no like honestly nobody needs their permission from me to say no but it's surprising when i do you know book signings and you know at book events how many people like especially women come up to me afterwards and will will say thank you for writing this i it's it's given me the confidence to be able to like stand up for myself and 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 say no so another point along the same lines is that no matter where you are in a sexual situation, it's always okay to say no. You can change your mind. So again, I hear from women, whether this is on college panels or in my practice that, you know, this this started happening. I went up to this guy's room, we were kissing, and it got like all of a sudden, like it got really out of hand. And I wanted to say no, but I felt like it was too late or a big thing is he would get mad. Like if I didn't, he'd get mad. Like, oh my God, women, are you really saying that? This, this all raises people-pleasing sex, but it's never too late to, no matter where that, situ- that situation has gone, it's never too late to change your mind and say no. And men need to listen to that. Like they need to, be educated about that
1: as well mm-hmm. yeah so important so how can we like talk our talk to our kids to help prepare them for these kinds of things as we talked about all sorts of different situations you know like people saying no, being in situations where, you know, alcohol is and, you know, your judgment being reduced. And so these are, there's a lot of important conversations here wrapped up in the last few minutes that we just covered. And so like, how can we start like talking to our kids to like prepare them for like when they go off to college and they're going to be in situations where there's alcohol, where they you know, maybe faced with the prospect of having sex that they with someone they don 't really want to have sex with you know and this kind of stuff, so what can we do to help prepare them
2: short of giving them my book yeah uh-huh. Uh-huh. that's a great preparation on its own but um, so definitely give them my book I, I, well i'm half joking, but the funny the funny thing is is that i when I first was marketing this book i recommended it not only to like single mothers but their daughters as well and actually their sons too because you read this and there is so much like knowledge in here and education and the research I've done for people that it's eye-opening and it's a it's been actually a really great conversation starter between between parents and their kids so it's like they both read the book and then it, it opens up conversations. But okay, another thing to do is just don't be afraid of these conversations. Parents tell me as a clinician, oh, well, if I mention sex, that means like I'm saying like it's okay or I'm encouraging it. No, it just means that you're opening up a dialogue about like what is happening in their life and in the world and in school and preparing them. So it's kind of like, it's an analogy would be sometimes clinicians have been afraid to like mention suicide to patients because they think, that that will prompt the patient to, you know, you know go out and attempt suicide. And the, da- the data shows otherwise. The more that we open conversations up, the more it basically empowers people to be able to, again, make, make good decisions from them for themselves, understand what's going on. So the first thing for parents is don't be afraid of the topic of sex. It's fine to bring up, like, you know, maybe not at the dinner party where eight other people are present, but, you know, just in a, in a tactful, right moment, like, you know, what, what goes on, you know, what goes on in your head or what, what do you think about, you know, what do you think about things that are happening in your life regarding hookups and sex and all that? Let's talk. Another really good conversation starter is, Where there's, you know, maybe a movie, you two are watching a show, you know, maybe there's some, you know, an HBO show or something that's age, let's call it age appropriate, but you're watching together. And those, those can really open up conversations or even like, even just, you know, a celebrity being in the news and something going on with them. Like, how do you feel about that? So there really are lots of conversation starters.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think, too, you know, when when you talk about this stuff, when you talk about sex, when you talk about relationships, it's like you're signaling that this is an important conversation to have, you know, and so I think... I think there is value. And, you know, of course, of course there's value, Um, you know, in bringing up these conversations because, you know, when you, when you ignore something or you don't talk about it, it's like, oh, well, you know, apparently sex is important enough for you to teach me about it. And so I have to go figure it out on my own kind of thing. And so I, I do think it's important and, you know, that parents talk about this and there's, there's just so much to talk about. It's really rich conversations.
2: Look, along those same lines, knowing and discussing, like maybe your daughter, say, is already sexually active, okay? And this, you know, she's, this happens, like this, you know, this, this is the reality. So it's much better to talk to her about that and get into the conversation of, well, are you using birth control? Is he using a condom? And it's not just about pregnancy again like nobody else seems to want to address this i have you know something like half a page on this in my book but there you know there are s you know stds out there number one being chlamydia, where there's sort of like the silent it's the silent how should i put this um, infertility bug because mm-hmm. um, i have the statistics in there but there's there's been an ethic of infertility in young women due to chlamydia and it could have so easily been avoided
1: mm-hmm.
2: with a, with the use of a condom. So yeah. again, mm-hmm. like if, you know, especially like the conversations are, are so important, no matter where your son or daughter is on that, you know, on that sex, you know, on that sexually active spectrum. So that's, you know, that's yet another reason for
1: yeah, it's, it's all about health, you know. I, I yes. believe it's like 15% of all cases of infertility are attributed to chlamydia.
2: Right, and, mm-hmm. and there aren't signs. So it's, yep. so it's especially insidious because like other STDs, people know, people are aware something's wrong. With chlamydia, often, especially women, don't know that anything mm-hmm. is wrong before it's too late. Mm-hmm. And it's so yep. preventable.
1: Yep, and the same thing with HPV. I mean, and a lot yeah. of the STDs, you know, don't have symptoms and that kind of thing. And so, again, you know, it's just these conversations are so important. And I, I'm i also a believer of making condoms available to your kids. You know, put them in, in the, uh, and your teenagers, put them in the bathroom drawer, keep an abundant supply, supply the neighborhood. You know, they prevent diseases. They prevent, you know, pregnancy. Great. If you see them disappearing, awesome. Go buy more. <laughs> right,
2: right. Again, STDs aren't a quote unquote sexy topic, but it's an important topic.
1: Absolutely. So let's take a quick commercial break and when we come back, I want to talk about this some more. All right.
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Everyone wants more pleasure, yet pleasure is an uncomfortable topic
1: would you be surprised to know that most women have never taken the time to fully explore their bodies in intimate or erotic ways? That's why I'm hosting a powerful and long overdue web class on understanding female pleasure. Go to holisticsexedradio.com and click on the web class link at the top of the page for more information and to register for understanding female pleasure
2: today.
0: Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at holisticsexedradio.com. Now back to Robin Lacrosse.
1: So Dr. Nancy, I was you know reading through your book and you talk a lot about like neuroscience and that sort of stuff. So I was wondering if maybe we could talk a little bit around the neuroscience of attraction and flirting and um, you know, and women in
2: general. You just mentioned one of my favorite topics, Robin, and I devote a whole chapter on flirting in my book. It's it's basically how to get into a guy's head and stay there. And it's all about the neuroscience neuro of attraction. So when it's welcome and pleasant, flirting actually... Causes dopamine, which is our ple- the pleasure neurochemical in our b- in our brain, to be released. So we experience a rush of euphoria. So lately, flirting has been given a bad rap, but it actually, again, I do want to emphasize when it's desired. Again, you don't want to flirt with somebody that, ugh, yeah. But when when we are flirting with when somebody flirts with us that we want to flirt back with, where this holds for both men and women, it's fun and it feels really good. So I get into, there's a whole chapter in the book devoted to um, like how to flirt and what what makes people get that rush of, of of euphoria when they're with you. And that, you know, deals with anything from eye contact to touch. And it's it's romantic, it's erotic, it's a lot of fun, it's very sensual. Um, There's even even related to that, the whole like 10th chapter is actually about sensually great sex. So despite my title, which sounds very conservative, but I wanted something deliberately provocative, the 10th chapter is devoted to sensually experiencing great sex. And this is no matter... Like for how long, well, no matter for how long somebody has been having sex with their partner, but it's also for, this would be for the parents. um, So for people who've been in relationships for years, like how to keep the sex hot, so to speak.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um,
2: Also, you know, as a psychologist with, you know, I I both have, you know, great academic training. I, I was at, you know, two medical schools for my postdoc, I mean, for my doc, doctorate and postdoc. Um, and, I've, and I also have, you know, just a, a wealth of clinical experience. But what I found among, like, other dating books on the market is they don't touch appearance. And appearance in a, in a dating world is really important. Um, mm-hmm. there's, there's no... it's not a coincidence that American women spent $42 billion. Think about that. I can't can't even imagine that amount of dollars, but $42 billion on cosmetics last year. So I really, uh, this is a bonus chapter. So I have my 10 steps and then I have a, a whole chapter on appearance, but I talk about women's relationship with beauty today. So, you know, one of one of the messages that I impart to all women, whether they're young or whether they're in their eighties, is it's badass to own your appearance, blemishes and all. But accepting things doesn't mean you stop trying. So um, I I do anything from you know like showing what data data shows. I mean, I it's so distressing that only like something like this came from a Dove the the soap worldwide study. Like only four percent of women worldwide think they're beautiful hello as a woman your body no matter what shell it's in you're born beautiful so Mm -hmm. i really i really get into women's relationship with beauty and i and i also give just some really remember my practice is in beverly hills slash hollywood california so um wow, my supermodel patients have really, like, educated me over the years. You know, they'll be like, wait, Nancy, you know, you could do this with your mascara, and it really makes a difference. So I also just give some really, really fun tips in there. Mm-hmm. But, but, the, but it's also, like, there's so many, like, data and facts that, again, are really empowering for women. So that's just a fun, like, a fun, fluffy chapter, but it's, but it's, but it's also very empowering
1: hmm Yeah, and clearly it is a, a topic for women, you know, and I mean, everybody likes to feel good, and, you know, women do put a lot of time and attention to our appearances.
2: Looking like somebody else, which is the cultural message, but it's about, I am me, I like my looks, and I know that I'm looking the best I can. So, there's, you know, there's some stats about you know, like health and how exercise is not just like necessarily about appearance, but we think better when we have cardio exercise. Our, our mind works better. We feel better. And, and for men and women, we also tend to have more confidence when we know that we're looking our best. So that's not about just like letting it all hang out, but that's about accepting ourselves but accepting ourselves, being confident in who we are, what we look like, but also, you know, kind of like challenging ourselves to, to you know, amp it up a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I, I love that you, you know, you have a chapter like on, flir- on flirting and beauty and, and this kind of stuff, you know, because... I don't know, I think I kinda think of flirting as like kind of a a lost science. You know, it's kind of a skill that we don't really spend a lot of time and energy in, but you know, to flirt well it is a skill, you know, and to to be aware of the cues and pick up when somebody's really not that into it and be like, Okay, you know, and just like let it go at that and, you know, change gears, you know, kind of thing
2: it's a skill and it's it's again i was my mind was blown when i was doing the research for that chapter but i read things and and it's so true there's anything from how long to maintain eye contact to just even how like a simple touch on somebody's chin could be extremely erotic
1: mm-hmm. so
2: it's, mm-hmm. it's it's a really fun chapter
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I know too that you have a special offer for people regarding your book. Do you want to tell people about that?
2: Okay. So for the the book is available on Amazon and at Farms and Noble. Um, but for example, if somebody were to buy the book or even the Kindle version, hard the paperback or the Kindle on Amazon, and then Um, if especially if they like it and then they go back to amazon and rate it as five stars or you know or or four four stars five stars just ensure that they like it and um, they they can write something or not but if they then go and call that to my attention i will send them a second book signed personally autographed at no cost to them so Holidays are coming up, um, so that's an offer
1: that's ongoing. Awesome! So basically, somebody could go to Amazon, get the ebook, read that, leave you a review. The
2: paperback.
1: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, or yeah, exactly. The yeah, e-book. yeah, the ebook or the paper. I was just trying to think of it easy yeah, for people yeah. so they could go get the ebook or whatever, or the order the paperback, whichever they prefer. And then read the book, leave you a review, and then give you a shout out, like uh, send you an email or something like that?
2: They can contact me any way they want. So for example, they can contact me through my website, mm-hmm. which is drnancylee.com, or they could leave me a message um, through Facebook or Instagram, that's all on the website too. Okay just say hey this you know i i posted this review and then um let me know who they are and by the way i i i don't just say dear so and so but i i love i love connecting with my readers so mm-hmm. i have a little bit of a conversation kind of find out what makes you tick and i incorporate that into the personalized autograph
1: nice okay cool so yeah we'll include all those notes on the uh include all of that in the show notes is what i'm trying to say and uh, we'll post links to your website and all that so thank you so much nancy it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today
2: thank you so much robin i i love this conversation i'm sorry it's ending now because i want to keep going
1: yeah i could tell there's so much more that we could talk about so yeah maybe we'll have you back on the show at some point
2: that would be great thank you
1: oh thanks again thanks for listening everyone and we'll see you next week bye-bye